I'm feeling super blessed to be interviewing the incredible Sandy Parsons again. Sandy is the author of The Mystery of the 65 Roses, Pepsi the Problem Party, and one of her short stories has been featured in the anthology Growing Up Disabled, which will be coming out later this year. Feb 20, Feb 2021. <laughs> so year. not later this year. No, next year. <laughs> it was supposed to be out this year, so you're sort of on, on target. Yeah. <laughs> She's also working on a bunch of other projects, which we'll talk about later. Sandy has achieved all of this whilst juggling being an author, a mum, working at a library, and she is a cystic fibrosis warrior and advocate, as well as a double lung transplant recipient. I find Sandy to be inspirational because of all the things I have listed, but also because she encourages and supports the next generation of young writers, including me personally, and her book, The Mystery of the 65 Roses, talks about cystic fibrosis in a fun way, which makes it a little less daunting towards kids. Sandy, thank you so much for letting me grow you. Thank you for having me again. Happy to be here in my PJs, having a pyjama party. <laughs> yes, I love pyjamas. Because it's kind of like the um, the authors, that stereotype of authors working at home in their PJs, but also because um, it's, comfy. it's also comfy and um, being disabled is also another comfy thing. So we're ticking off two stereotypes today, <laughs> proudly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm ready to get started. I am. Completely unrelated to your amazing work. How are Rado and Chili going? Well, they are not problem puppies anymore. They are in the terrible twos. So they are angsty teenagers. So the biggest issue we have is that Rotto keeps looking at Chili and she doesn't like it. So she puffs up, her hackles go up and she gets all huffy. So I spend half of my time saying, Rotto, stop looking at Chili. She doesn't like it. And Chili, calm down. He's not even looking at you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's just a dirty rotten looker. <laughs> now on to your incredible work. One of your short stories was featured in Growing Up Disabled. Could you tell us how you are feeling it's such an incredible achievement? Yeah, look, that was, um, I suppose, a, a bucket list for me is to have something in an anthology that was going to feature disabled writers and to be have the opportunity to be edited by Carly as well. That's another big thing. So that, that was pretty cool. I was pretty stoked to get in. It's a, an amazing achievement. It's an amazing anthology. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Can you tell us a bit about the stories that you submitted to Growing Up Disabled? Well, you probably don't want to know much about the story I submitted because <clears throat> that's not the story that's in there. Um, Carly actually read something else that I had written and sent me her phone number and on the telephone call she said, um, would you consider changing your submission to, to this piece instead? And I went, oh, of course I would. I mean, that's not what I'm saying in my head. I'm saying much more sweary. Um, but yeah, out loud I'm going, yes, of course I would. And on the inside there was a totally different uh, happy dance happening. So the story that's actually in Growing Up Disabled is it's snippets of memory and it starts with taking my best friend, uh, the, my ball dress, to her hospital room and dressing her up 
to have the photos because she didn't get to go to the ball. And then we have all the snippets of memory that happened until, well, not all of them, lots of them ended up on the cutting room floor uh, until she died. So the first half of the piece is essentially about my physical growing up. And the second part of the story focuses on my journey after Julie died. And it's about my emotional growing up as I went through that same transplant process and what I learnt emotionally and about the things that I wished I could ask her, but I couldn't. Aww. I'm sure it's a really beautiful story and I'm sure she would have loved it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, she, she actually demanded, politely demanded in the way that she had, that I write about her before she died. And I think she would have been pretty happy with the result. I was lucky enough to read your amazing manuscript for the Ned Head Highs, and it's incredible. Thank you. Where do you get the inspiration for the characters? Originally, the characters were a continuation of those that were introduced in The Mystery of the 65 Roses, um, but they evolved as the manuscript evolved. So they became Josh and Dara, and their, their needs and wants are obviously opposing. Dara wants to fit in and she's, she doesn't want to be the girl that's different. The girl that has cystic fibrosis who is, is different and you know the girl who is labelled. And Josh just wants a friend. But Dara doesn't want Josh as her friend. So it's partly about her learning that the friends you want are not always the friends you need. And the second part is, I suppose, a journey that a lot of people with chronic illness have, and that's, you want to be seen as normal, but it affects so much of what you do that eventually it leeches. It leeches into everything. And I always found that I could never keep that a secret. And I needed friends who would accept me the way I am, not because of who I was pretending to be. That's a really incredible idea for your story. And yeah, I could definitely tell that when I was reading it. Can you give a bit more of the plot away without no, so too many spoilers, of course? Yes. The story's about friendship, but the plot is more about... They've gone to the museum and they've seen Ned Kelly's death mask. And then someone steals it. And Josh is pretty sure that it's his new art teacher, Miss Izoba. And Dara's a bit like, well, teachers don't run around stealing historical artifacts. So it's about trying to figure out who actually stole Ned's head. That's really cool. I can't wait to see it in book form. Me either. So at the moment, it's on submission to a couple of different publishers. So we're in that cross our fingers stage. Well, it's amazing and I'm sure it's going to get you. You were involved in the Human Library Project last year. Maybe tell us a bit about that. So, I'm a volunteer for the Human Library. Um, I've done it also before for the Disrupted Festival. And being a human book at the very base level is about having a conversation with someone else. So, it's a chance to ask those questions that you normally wouldn't get to ask people. It's a chance to hear about a different side of things. So I tell my story of um, organ donation and my life with cystic fibrosis before and after. 
and it gives the people who are reading me as a book the chance to ask questions that they might have always wanted to ask but they don't feel comfortable maybe they're a taboo question that they're thinking oh I can't ask that but in this scenario it's perfectly acceptable to ask. So that's really cool so people can learn a bit more about your experience. Yeah um, and, and the chance to ask the questions that's pretty important too. Yeah because you need to kind of remove that that barrier and the taboo. Yeah. We spoke about this earlier in the year, how a lot of things haven't changed that much with going into lockdown due to us always trying to avoid germy people anyway. It's much more important for you with cystic fibrosis than for me, but I can also sort of understand that. Um, what are some of the good things you've noticed with the lockdown, so having to stay inside? I suppose just before lockdown is the one thing that was really good from um, my per point of perspective as someone who has respiratory illness is people were actually doing the right thing for the first time. They were staying away from each other, they were washing their hands, they were using sanitizer and now they're relying a little bit too much on our hard border and that seems to have dropped by the wayside. But what started during the lockdown that for me has been particularly a benefit is all the access to the online, uh, whether it be author talks, whether it be PDs, and it opened up a whole world of opportunities. And often for people who are disabled, it's not actually the attending the PD. Sometimes it's the effort to get there. Um, I can, when I'm having medication side effects, I can be the most wiggly person in the room. I'm very hard to sit behind because I don't sit still. So the opportunity to be able to listen and participate in these events, but having the camera off so I'm not distracting anyone else other than me, as well as the access to things I wouldn't normally have has been phenomenal. What about you? What have you found? Yeah, the online stuff. Because now I can join in courses over in the Eastern States. Yeah, there's been such, such a range of stuff coming from the Eastern States. It's been so accessible, but I've really enjoyed some of that. And yeah. I hope, I hope that it continues. Yeah, me too, because amazing horses now. Yeah. So that's that's a really good benefit to benefit. How do you think being a librarian and working with kids affects your creativity and your writing side? So I think the best way to sort of explain this would be there's a lot of bleeding. And I don't mean that someone slit my throat and I'm bleeding all over the room, I'm thinking more like watercolour where there's this big blob of sandy and Liberian sandy sort of bleeds into writing sandy and it bleeds into sandy who likes to read and then now it's also bleeding into being a CBCA judge and it's the same with, with that there's just all complementing each other and it's hard to tell where one aspect ends and the other starts because they're so interwoven. Yeah, because you're spending all day with books and books and books yeah, and kids. Yeah, I suppose the bad side of that would be because that is so much of my focus. When they say, write what you know, I don't have a job experience outside this industry to write about. Yeah. So yeah. That, that would be nice at times to have had this amazing career that would have had given me all these other things, but books, I know books. Are most I know books. Of, yeah. But books are a good thing to know, I think. They are a good thing to know. Books are cool. 
you know, you hear, sometimes I, I hear stories of like, you know, famous crime reporters, and then they go on to be famous crime, best-selling crime authors. And I think that would be pretty cool to be able to use that experience. But then I wouldn't get to work with books all day. So, yeah, it, it's like experience yeah. or books. Or books. Oh, yeah, books. Books just win every time. Yeah. I mean, books. Have you made any funny typos recently, ones that just hilarious? Um, you think, you think I'd be able to spell my own name, but no. Um, I keep, when I, when I type quickly, I become snade. S-N-A-I-D. And I kind of feel that snade now is my alter ego. Um, <laughs> He or she is the villain in some story, and one day I will write about this snade. But yeah, my own name is my most common and worst typo. What about you? Oh, I can't. Oh, there was this really funny story. It's not me, but it was. I was having a, a text conversation with one of my friends. I'm not gonna list their name, but we were having a conversation. We were talking about D and D, and. We were talking about something, and it auto-corrected Beastmaster into Breastmaster, <laughs> and he was still laughing about it today, so it's all in good fun. But that was just what happened there. I'm I'm fluent in auto-correct now. I I can read auto-correct quite clearly. Yeah, we do. I think it's a skill we've had to learn in this digital age. Of yeah. yes, I see what you have typed, and I also understand what you mean. Well, I'm going to change it to something completely different. Yeah. Now I can speed questions. Speed questions. Okay, come at me. What are you writing at the moment? Um, I'm writing a chapter book about a family and my character, Rainbow Bleak, has an older sister who shares the same dad. And she has a younger sister who shares the same mum. But this family doesn't do things in halves, they count in whole numbers. So she has two sisters. So it's a story about blended families and feeling accepted in your family. That's really cool. I love that idea. That's sweet. Have you tried a new flavour of ice cream lately that you love? I'm not really a big ice cream person, so I'm still stuck on my banana, which has been my favourite since, I don't know, as long as I can remember. Yeah, banana is still a good flavour. What was your worst subject in school? Well, it's still my worst subject is math. Mm. I don't do numbers very well. I can do functional math. Fancy special math, not so much. Yeah. Functional math. Mm. Which character do you or have you had a crush on? Uh, it would have to be Mia Corvere from Nevernight. Ooh, I've never seen that. No, no, that's not for you yet. There's murder <laughs> and there's smut and there's more murder <laughs> and more smut and yeah. Yeah, I'll say that to when I'm older. Yeah, you, know, you need to be older for that one. But My older when, when you're there, I'm pretty sure you might join me on that crush. Because she's pretty awesome. <laughs> and, then we, and then we can have a Mia, Mia Culveri conversation. Yes. <laughs> Who was your favourite or most inspirational author this year? I mean, that's a hard question because I've got lots of favourite authors, I've got lots of inspirational authors, but it's just, it's going to have to go back to being Jay Christoph for creating Mia Corvero. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a little obsessed. 
Would you prefer to be isolated on an island or in a forest? Which one doesn't have snakes? Both of them probably do. I don't know. Forest I want a snake-free not... option. If I'm getting a choice about where I'm getting stranded, I want forest the snake. Forest has a higher chance of snakes, so probably an island. <laughs> then I'll have to go with the island. Yes, then so. What's the weirdest place or thing you've gotten inspiration from? Um, I, I don't know if it's a weird place, but I have a story that's been brewing for maybe 15 years and it's based on an empty block that had no fence, but the gate was locked. Oh, mm. that's interesting. Like so of course that. the question is, why is that gate locked if there is no fence? So yes, a weird, uh, an empty block is kind of a bit weird, but it's not really. Yeah, but still, it's pretty mysterious. It is mysterious. If you could live in any book, which one would you just love to live in? I don't know. Books are pretty dangerous. Have you read any lately? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like good, good things don't exactly always happen in these books. There's, there's wizards and dragons and... Um, time Traveller's Wife. But I'd want to be the time traveller. Yeah. What's your biggest achievement so far? Hmm, I've had lots of big achievements. So, getting old with CF is a pretty big achievement. Being a CBCA judge for a librarian is a pretty big achievement. Getting published is a pretty big achievement. But I'm going to say if I can get through 2020, that's a pretty good achievement too. So that is that is my goal for one of my achievements is to get through 2020. Yeah, 2020 is a rough year. It's a long year. Have, have you not heard they say that they've actually found that we can now compare dog years? You know how dog years are supposed to be one dog year is every seven human years? Yeah. Or 2020. <laughs> that, that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's a long year. Do you have any advice to share with young writers? I think the thing is is to write, to just keep writing and it doesn't matter how bad it is because you can always make it better but you can't edit a blank page. So it doesn't matter whether you're writing fan fiction, whether you're writing letters to people, just write. Beautiful advice. Thank you so much for letting me interview again. Well, thanks for having me for our pajama party. <laughs> make sure to check out Sandy Parsons on her social media and make sure to check out her beautiful books.